Good morning, heart and soul. I have missed you. I know that we have been pretending like I've been on a sabbatical. Not so. I have been holding this time as family leave. And uh, this has been an important part of my own evolution, of my own heart expansion. It has been an experience of being in service in a new way. And I'm grateful to now have a bit of balance in that, so I'm still serving in that way. And I'm also back in our pulpit and serving. And my heart is full of appreciation and gratitude for those folks who really stepped up. Because um, some of you don't know because you weren't really tuned in, but I'm going to act like you were and that you already know that I was not here for the month of June and that uh, Reverend Jack stepped up into the pulpit. So we were celebrating the month, uh, month of June as Pride. We celebrated Father's Day, Juneteenth, and life and the opportunity to live life more abundantly. So uh, Reverend Jack stepped up, my dear sister, uh, Reverend Tuana Malone in Philadelphia stepped up and in, and my brother friend, Reverend Dr. Raymond Anderson also was here doing all the duty on Father's Day and Juneteenth and Pride and just had all of that covered in such a beautiful, magnificent way. And then my dear sister friend, Reverend Karen Fry out of Dallas CSL, was our guest speaker last week, and here I am now. Here I am now. Uh, I'm grateful for y'all holding it together the way that you have. And the world has been busy. It has been busy showing us a few things. One, what is our real prayer list? Because we obviously have been tripping. We've had some little stuff on the prayer list that we had to move out the way in order to move in some of what has come to our attention and that spirit is really tapping on our hearts. It's really something is saying, I need your attention because you focused on some other stuff. And so here we are now with this huge opportunity of proving, of giving evidence of what exactly is it that we believe. Because, see, when you know, when you understand how life gets to be the way it is, you know that behind every effect, every expression, every demonstration, every manifestation is a cause. And that you cannot separate the two. You can't just complain about the effect. You can't just complain about what has happened. So by the time it hits the front page of the paper, you have been busy creating that. Your creation work, the creative process is complete for that thing. I hope this is making sense. Because often we in our confusion have been pretending like that just happened and I don't know how that happened. I didn't have anything to do with that. However, if you are on the planet drawing breath and expending breath, you had something to do with it. 
because it is collective consciousness. That's what is always driving. That is the creative process. So if you're here, you're a part of it. Now I'm pausing here just so you can like breathe that in. And if anybody is feeling like they want to suck some air, like, oh my God, yeah, that. That's the energy I'm really wanting so that we have a sense of that we have dominion, that we don't have to just complain and whine and and wish it were different because that same power that we are, that consciousness that called it into being, that same energetic presence can help us to shift it. This is a real opportunity for us. Our dear, beloved, wise brother, James Baldwin, said not everything that is faced can be changed. But essentially, you're not changing nothing that you haven't faced. So all of the things that we want change, but we don't want to do nothing about it. We don't want to engage. We kind of don't want to get our hands dirty. That's a thing that we will not be able to change. Some of us think we're we're sensitive and maybe we think we're being kind by not saying what must be said. We're delusional in that. You see, there is so much, I believe, that is in our, our current collective perception and experience. That's the effect that that we can name, that that we can number, that that we're experiencing, that is literally begging us to face it. To acknowledge it. To say that it's so. Because it's not until we can recognize, when we can recognize and acknowledge how life as we know it and we are experiencing it gets to be the way it is? Come on, baby. That's, it's the, in that moment that something can shift. But it's not until we face it. It's not until we stand in it. It's not until we honor. It's not until we acknowledge. Dare I say our part in it? I have this sense that our fingerprints are on everything. In a DNA kind of sense. You know, that we brushed by it, that we tried to act like we didn't see it, that we ignored it, that we dishonored it, that we, well, that we didn't, that we didn't stand as our brother Frederick Douglass stood in facing what is. You know, for for many 4th of July time frame, you know, where the Sunday that is closest to the 4th of July, I have spent some time with y'all actually sharing the Frederick Douglass's most well-known speech, the meaning of July 4th for the Negro. The speech that he gave in Rochester, New York on the 5th of July in 1852, it said that there were about 500 people present that had come to hear him speak and that they had each paid 12 and a half cents to be in that room. And I know in this group, or certainly somebody at home is getting ready to put in the chat right away, just converting that to today's currency and, and infl- inflation, 
converting it for inflation for what that is. But the point here is that, at least in my mind, that our current socio-political climate really magnifies the, the challenge and the underlying painful vibration in celebrating Independence Day in 2022. This is 170 years after Frederick Douglass gave that speech. And Lord knows there's a part of me that wants to whine and whimper that I wish much was much different. Oh, I'd love to read that speech and just be in shock. I mean, I'd love for somebody to have to bring smelling salts that I could hardly handle reading about such a time. But unfortunately, that current read reads much too much like right now. So look, here's what, here's what he talks about. In his speech, he asks rhetorically, are the great principles of political freedom and of natural justice embodied in that Declaration of Independence extended to us as black folks, using the vernacular of the time? And then he pushes forward his thesis. This 4th of July is yours, not mine, he says. Because y'all are celebrating something else. He says that to ask a black person to celebrate a white man's freedom from oppression and tyranny is inhuman mockery and sacrilegious irony. And by this sacrilegious, I think he means the evil defilement of certain stated sacred American ideals. And we still are playing the same game of forking our tongue speaking out of both sides of our mouth simultaneously, saying that this is what it is, and it's, it's the perfect thing to say. It really is. It's well written in the sense that we would embrace it if only it was what we're up to, if only that was the evidence. And, and he then and I now know that the audience, those who hear the sound of my voice either in the room or online virtually or, or even if you were to watch the recording or listen to the audio later. What I need you to know is that it's up to you. It was up to, you know, he was speaking to that audience in 1852 with an expectation that they would do something different that they would be, that they would live in a different way, that they would set the standard a little higher. To the slave, Douglas tells the audience, your 4th of July is a sham. Your boasted liberty, an unholy license for enslavement. Your shouts of liberty and equality are hollow mockery. 
You see, in thinking about this now, and the reason I'm sharing it with you is that I want us to look at whether we experience the mental, emotional, and spiritual equivalency to the Declaration of Independence, or even our Declaration of Principles. What The question is whether what we declare resonates, sits in, lives in our hearts in such a way that we can see that that's how our world is, got to be the way it is. Because I'm thinking in these ways, because I'm believing in these ways, because I'm living in these ways, not just that I'm saying this stuff. Now, I ain't mad at you if you're saying it, because that's a starting place. But I wouldn't want us to believe that just saying it is sufficient, that there has to be some action that supports it as well. Charles Hanel, who... Um, Mm, whose mm, who's major work just went away from me, went out of my mind, but here's what he said. And because we already know how life gets to be the way it is, is that we think it that way. That by, it's that, that way by right of consciousness. So if you understand that, then you can absolutely get what he says, which is that the world without the manifest world, the demonstrated world, that thing you can see, feel, and touch, televised, is a reflection of the world within. It can't be. We cannot have any experience that is, that is manifest and demonstrated in physical form that was not first in mind, in heart. And, and I often say heart-mind, and it's because the wisdom of old really held the heart much like the brain. And science today makes that connection. So I often just blend it and say my heart, mind. Because anything you think and don't feel, it ain't going to really happen anyhow. And anything you're feeling without the, well, how do I want to say this? With, without the, the understanding, a, understanding is not the word because that takes it too far. Because you don't have to understand it. It's believing. Anything you feel but don't believe isn't going to happen anyhow. Do you see it's that combination? Do you really get that? That it's the combination of knowing and feeling that brings it. So if, if your fear is of, or, or, um, of insects and you see it but you don't know it's an insect, it ain't going to phase you. Now it is an insect, but you don't know it's an insect, so you're not going to feel what you feel with insects. Make sense? So, so it is in all things. You have to put that together in order to get your full engagement because that's what we're manifesting. That's the, the power. That's the creative process. And that's what he's speaking to. So look, on this 4th of July, for this Independence Day, since I truly know that what I focus on expands, I'm celebrating I'm absolutely celebrating our newest justice of the Supreme Court. 
So look, my celebration does not require that I live in denial that the world has changed completely. See, I don't have to set aside the world in order to, to say, oh, come on now. Something is happening here. And because I know that the power of my attention is energetic, so what I focus on expands. I can focus on everything that's missing and miss this opportunity to celebrate what is. I'm not pretending that this what is is everything or that it cancels out everything else. It is, and I must make time to celebrate that and focus on all that that can mean. Now, I don't know what it means, but I get to make it up. Hear me now, because we make up some stuff. So we can make up that that ain't, you know, well, one of the, I had to, come on now, look at here. I had to stop myself because there is an adage that by the time they bring the black woman in, it has gone to heck in a handbasket. And they brought her in to fix the, to build a new basket. And I found, I heard me. Now, I didn't read that anywhere. Nobody said that to me. But there was a moment when I caught myself thinking it. So, self, you're going to have to cut that out. Because you know the power of what you're working with. So you can, start, you can make that your byline for the photo or you can decide that you do not yet know how amazing the shift is. That you don't know the healing that is possible. That I can open myself with a sense of expectancy, of divine anticipation because there's no way it's going to be business as usual. This ain't that. So I know it's got to be something else. I don't know what it's going to be, but since my mind is focused on it, let me make up something good. Let me make up something good. I hope this is making sense. Because we have some power. What are we doing with it? Yes? Look, and, and what, what inspires me further is the justice said... I have dedicated my career to ensuring that the words engraved on the front of the Supreme Court building, equal justice under law, are a reality and not just an ideal. See, that feeds my spirit. That gives me something. When I start imagining, I don't have to imagine the worst case scenario. I can see her on her purpose, fulfilling her intention. Yes? Come on now, y'all, look. I, well, here's, here's what I believe. I, I, I'm just going to give you a little slice of how I make stuff up. I make up that, that this whole process, when I look at, at her trajectory, and when she was first nominated, we spent a little time talking about it. So I'm going to ask you to hearken back, and the video lives on YouTube and Facebook, and so do, do what you need to do. If you don't already know, which kind of means you've been, well, you probably already know anyhow. But look, here's the way that I make it up. That in this whole trajectory that there was, there was something that was tapping on her heart, that there was something that was calling her into a level of service. 
because her level of service outrates anybody, the combination. They say the collective experience on the court, on the Supreme Court before she entered, and she's just entering, she exceeds their experience. So, you see, you don't do that accidentally. That, to me, I, the story I make up is that that's a clear consciousness. That's a clear guidance. That that's a, that's a where she, she probably had to interrupt some conversations and say, yes, Lord. Because there's a calling on her heart. There's a calling on her life that she is clearly in tune with. See, I don't know how the messages come for everybody. But I told you, I wake up knowing stuff I didn't go to bed knowing. But it's because my prayer is that I would know, that it would be revealed to me. Help me to perform whatever miracles you would have me perform this day. Well, that's not what I can do on my own. I'm going to have to listen to what is calling to me, what is tapping on my heart to tell me what is the plan, tell me how to heal my mind, how to walk this land. It is tapping on each and every heart, mind, everywhere. Let's listen now. And if you're paying any kind of attention to the world, you know that reproductive rights just on Friday had a significant setback, which has both spiritual and social implications that we must attend to. And I'm remembering also the words of a teacher that once asked me during a time of frustration when I was disappointed about a certain political outcome. She asked me, Edward, what if this Two is part of the unfolding answer to all of those prayers that you and I have been praying for unity, liberty, equality, justice, and freedom. And I was taken aback by the question. Now, she wasn't encouraging me to just give up and just accept what is. No, she was encouraging me to get up to lift up my vision, and to keep on walking in the direction of this vision that we have of a world that works for everyone, to keep on moving to... Well, she was encouraging me to look beyond the way things are right now and to keep on shifting my attention in the direction of freedom for all. For Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, that's what it was all about. You know, she was a role model, whether she knew it or not. She was a role model for spiritually minded folk in that she advocated for not settling for the current reality, but to carry on starting from where we are. She was and she still is a role model for spiritually minded people in that she encouraged us to stand up for the things that we care about. And here's what she said. But to stand in such a way that will lead others to join you. Whether she was aware of it or not, she was, Justice Ginsburg, a role model for spiritually minded folk. In that she, prom she advocated, she encouraged us to speak the truth about why such things 
as reproductive rights matter and how they are related to equality and equity. Her words say it best. It is essential to women's equality with man that she be the decision maker, that her choice be controlling. If you impose restraints that impede her choice, you are disadvantaging her because of her gender. That's right. And nothing could be more in alignment with Centers for Spiritual Living's global vision of a world that works for all. It's complicated, of course. It's very complicated, which is why we keep messing it up. Why we keep forgetting the innate power that we have to have dominion in our lives. When Dr. Edward, who is our elected spiritual leader for Centers for Spiritual Living and Heart and Soul Center of Light, is a founding affiliate of Centers for Spiritual Living. When it first started and we brought a couple of organizations together, Heart and Soul chose to continue to be a part of the, um, the organization in its new form. So we are founders in that and committed to the principles, committed to the declaration of principles. We are committed to a world that works for all. Now, we're not pretending like we know exactly how to get there, but we have some clues. And I think that that. Just as Dr. Edward was citing uh, RBG, that there is also, I'm citing Frederick Douglass, who is, because the idea here is stand up and speak out. Be the difference that you want to see in the world. And certainly Frederick Douglass just stands head and shoulders or stands in that in the way that he chose to live his life. I'm going to, to bring us to Revelations 21 and 1, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The former earth had departed and the sea was no more. The way that it used to be was, see, this is our work. In this scripture, I think it just ties a bow around what our work is is to begin to use our power of imagination, our power to decide what it is we see. What do you see? Because we can all be looking at the same thing and see something else, see di things differently. Does that make sense? So what is it you're choosing to see? Are you just going to, are you the expert at how they work it? When something ain't working, can they call on you to detail just how it ain't working? The degree to which it didn't work and isn't likely to work ever. Can they count on you for that? Or can they count on you for a view of possibility? 
for a higher expression, a way of using the stuff that you have to create something even better, a new heaven and a new earth. Because the old has passed away. Not that it is no longer has any form, but it's passed away from my view. I'm no longer holding how it ain't working because I am envisioning the infinite possibility or some of the infinite possibility kind of my choice as I grow in this for how it can be and what can happen. And the sea was no more, which means the confusion is no longer present. I am settled. I am all right. I am okay. I am at peace with the new vision for the new world, the new heaven, and the new earth. Look, earlier when I shared just an excerpt, well, no, <clears throat> Eckhart Tolle offers us that you attract and manifest whatever corresponds to your inner state. Now, somebody's thinking, that's all you've been saying all morning, Reverend Andrea. You've just given us different little examples on that same idea. But you haven't said nothing different than what he's saying now. Because for us, what I'm, I'm, I'm trying to build a little something here. Pardon me. <clears throat> Putting together a little... Uh, how we can demonstrate a world that works for all is that we must... Establish this in our consciousness first. You see, it's great to say, you see how it rolls off the tongue? A world that works for all. But I first have to really want a world that works for all. I mean, we, I, there's a, I'm a little embarrassed to just break it down like this, but there's some of us who don't really want it to work for everybody. You got somebody on the list for whom you don't want it to work. So, it can roll off the tongue as lovely as it possibly can, a world that works for everyone. But if I have a list of folks that I don't want it to work for, I don't want them winning the lottery. Oh, don't act like. You already know, no, not them. I don't want them getting the inheritance. I, no, not, I don't want them. I don't want the good stuff happening to them. Because I don't know, you might be teaching them a lot. I don't know what you're doing with them. You just may, I don't know. I'm not in your business that deep. I'm kind of in there, but I'm not messing around quite that deep on all the details to it. But whatever it is, the bottom line is they're on the list. They don't know good stuff for them. So you know you're not in the party. When we're celebrating a party where we're working on a world that works for all, even if you're saying it, you're not all in. That's what Frederick Douglass was saying to the people. Oh, you say it pretty. Y'all got the pretty words. You done worked it out. The declaration, beautiful, it flows in magnificent ways, but y'all don't mean that. You don't have any intention. You want it to mean you can enslave here, there, and everywhere. And Eckhart Tolle is reminding us that 
what we attract and manifest is exactly what corresponds to our inner state. What's going on on the inside? This is why this idea of the, of the mental equivalent is so important. But look, earlier, I, I just did an excerpt of that Charles Hanel quote. I want to give you the whole thing right now because he lays it out. He says that, and you already heard this part, a world without, the world without is a reflection of the world within. But then he says, what appears without is what has been found within. So I know we want to take exception. When you see it, you're like, that ain't mine. That ain't, I, am, I didn't think that. But if we could really get in there and understand how the law works, we know somebody who thought that. And we know that the collective consciousness, race consciousness, is you maybe didn't think the whole thing, but your thought plus mine plus his plus hers, that's what we got. There's not a war that we can blame on like one person. It's the collective consciousness that has us engaged in all the stuff that we, that we want to separate ourselves from. And I didn't have anything to do with that. I, in fact, I don't know nothing about it. He says, in the world within may be found infinite wisdom, infinite power, and infinite supply of all that is necessary, waiting for unfoldment, development, and expression. If, 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 and when we recognize these potentialities in the world within, they can then take form in the world without. A lot of us, have been at a point in life where we are asking, why didn't my prayers work? I've been praying about this. Why hasn't it, why hasn't it manifest? And my prayer is that you're getting a sense that, well, I don't know where I grew up. We used to say you got to bring some to get some. I don't know what they said on your block. But on mine... I came to understand that it's also a spiritual principle. That you have no right to expect a divine unfoldment out of an evil thought. And by evil thought, I mean thoughts of separation and division. We're not going to get to a world that works for all by planting seeds of who can't be in the all. <laughs> they get some? It's when you come to peace with, with a world that works for that one and her and him and them. When you get there, you are then officially on the team, on team a world that works for all. Look at here, Madiba, Nelson Mandela wrote this in his autobiography. He says, it was during those long and lonely years that my hunger for freedom of my own people became a hunger for the freedom of all people. A world that works for all. I knew as well as I knew anything that the oppressor must be liberated just as surely as the oppressed. 
A man who takes away another's freedom is a prisoner of hatred. He is locked behind the bars of prejudice and narrow-mindedness. I am not truly free if I'm taking away someone else's freedom. Just as surely as I am not free when my freedom is taken from me. The oppressed and the oppressor alike are robbed of their humanity. He said, when I walked out of prison, that was my mission, to liberate the oppressed and the oppressor both. Can you see that in his heart-mind, it's a world that works for everyone. You, we could all agree, if he hadn't written it this way, if he had said that his heart broke for his people and the people who looked like him and the people he knew was oppressed, and, and that was his audience, if that was the group for whom he wanted to pour everything he knew into, we would all understand. We would donate to the cause. But he's expanding our consciousness in his practice. He's saying, oh, that's not enough. That doesn't change the thing in the way that it has to change. In order to have a world that works for everyone, we got to include everybody, everyone, all in the shift. He says, we have not taken the final step of our journey, but the first step on a longer and even more difficult road. For to be free is not merely to cast off one's chains but to live in a way that respects and enhances the freedom of others. Dare I say the freedom of all. The true test, he says, of our individual and collective devotion to freedom is just beginning. His words are true right now in this very moment for us. My sense is that this true test requires our full intention, attention, commitment, and engagement in doing our own inner work, shifting, healing, whatever it is we need to shift and heal. I'm going to invite you to summer school because we all got something to shift and heal. I'm just saying. And because it's virtual, Wherever you are, tune in around it. This notion of us healing, doing our own inner work, our individual work, but also working together to transform and create a world that works for all. And even as I said, create a world that works for all, my spirit says, you don't have to create it, it's already there. You have to uncover it. You got to get your gook off of it. Your twisted thinking, you have to, our work is to clean it up so that you can see it. Y'all know all of the, the stories, all of the analogies, all of the mythology, all of the fables that have in common that the thing was already there. What had to happen in the process was the uncovering. The chipping away of it, the, the pouring pure water on it, that the gook would melt away or be washed away, that it's a, a world that works for all is there. We just got to get to it. We have to give it the space to unfold huh, in us. Because it's not, a, if anything I've said so far, the bottom line is, if it's not happening in you, you can forget looking for it on the news. Or on the 
headline for the paper or in the gossip on the, down the block. It's not happening because it must first be in us. And here's the thing that Madiba makes so clear to us, is that our work is never just about ourselves. Ourselves as an individual, or ourselves in the collective that looks like us, sounds like us, has shared experiences. That it's always about the ones who know helping the ones who don't. That there's something about recognizing that our value is for the change that, the gift that we contribute to the world. That in our hearts of hearts, if we can help somebody. You see, my highest value is contribution. If you look at the trajectory of my life, you will see that I don't hang out anywhere I can't contribute that contribution is absolutely my highest value. I have to be able to contribute. And what I know is that if I can help somebody, somebody wrote a song about it, said, my living will not be in vain. I'll know that my living, that my life's purpose is valued. That's how I will know. Now, somebody would say, well, you should know anyway. I mean, statement. I'll know because I'm helping somebody, because I'm contributing the gifts that I have to contribute. And I will know without any question, doubt, or fear that my living is not in vain. This is where I would typically do, and I am, a, a version of a closing prayer. What I am choosing to use today is our Declaration of Principles. Centers for Spiritual Living was actually founded by Ernest Holmes, not as Centers for Spiritual Living, but as another organization that ultimately became that. And so what he wrote and what was published in the 1927 Science of Mind magazine is statements of what it began as what I believe, is what Ernest Holmes wrote, what I believe, and evolved into what we believe. And so I'm going to ask you to just come into a centered place of awareness and willingness, an open heart, mind, a divine availability to know and know that each of us knows, I am knowing right now in divine recognition that there is one life and that that life is whole, that it's perfect, that it's complete in every way. And for me to know that I am one with, that I am living the life of the divine, the living one, the strong one, and that that life is living me, that I am breathing the breath of the Creator 
and that that breath is breathing me and that this is true for each and every one of us. We are each and every one of us living the life of the divine and breathing the breath of the divine and experiencing the divine living each and every one of us and breathing each and every one of us. And so it is in that state that we can choose to know that I speak these words standing in the gap for each and every one of us willing to know that when and if and as we believe in God, the living Spirit Almighty, one indestructible, absolute, and self-existent cause that this one manifests itself in and through all creation. Oh, that it is not absorbed by its creation. The manifest universe is the body of the divine, the living one, the strong one of God. It is the logical and necessary outcome of the infinite self-knowingness of the all and all. We believe in the individualization of the spirit in us and that all people are individualizations of the one spirit. We believe in the eternality, the immortality, and the continuity of the individual soul forever and ever expanding. We believe that heaven is within us. When we see a new heaven and a new earth, we are seeing the shift first in us. We believe that heaven is within us and that we experience it to the degree that we become conscious and honoring of it. We believe the ultimate goal of life to be a complete emancipation from all discord of every nature and that this goal is sure to be attained by all. We believe in the unity of all life and that the highest God is the, and the innermost God is one God, the living one, the strong one, the creative principle. We believe that God is personal to all who feel this indwelling presence. We believe in the direct revelation of truth through our intuitive and spiritual nature, and that anyone and everyone may become a revealer of truth who lives in close contact with the indwelling good, the indwelling God, the indwelling living one, strong one. We believe that the universal spirit, which is God, operates through a universal mind, which is the law of God. And that we are surrounded by this creative mind which receives the direct impress of our thought and then it acts upon it. We believe in the healing of the sick and the control of conditions through the power of this mind. We believe in the eternal goodness the eternal loving kindness and the eternal givingness of life to all. We believe in our own soul, our own spirit, and our own destiny 
For we understand and honor that the life of all, each and every one of us, is the divine. So when we say a world that works for all, we mean the divine. That it is the perfect reflection of the divine, a mirror reflection. So it is an absolute perfect gratitude for the truth written, read, spoken, felt that I give thanks and divine appreciation. It is with my heart overflowing in gratitude for the vibration of this truth in my spirit, in my knowing, that I simply let go and let the divine be the divine, that I release this word into the perfect activity of law, that I propel it into divine love and the perfect activity of the law of love and the way that it permeates and transmutes absolutely everything. I simply let it be, trusting, knowing, believing that all is well because I know that all is well in God. All is well with the living one, the strong one, and so all must be well with me. All must simply be well. And this I accept with an open heart, and I let it be, sealing this for all eternity by simply saying, Ashe, Amen, and so it is. Love matters.